Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, Père Lagrange, the great scripture scholar, referred to our passage today as, quote, Matthew's most precious pearl. It's also been described by biblical scholars as a Johannine bolt from the Matthean blue. (laughs) What that means is, in this passage from Matthew, Jesus speaks in a manner much more characteristic of John's gospel. Matthew's gospel puts a great stress on the humanity of the Lord, John's on the divinity of Jesus. But right here in the middle of Matthew, very clear emphasis is placed on the divinity of the Lord. We're being invited in this passage into very deep waters, very deep mysteries. Why? Because Jesus here is addressing his Father and thereby revealing his own deepest identity within the Holy Trinity. Listen to what he says. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, For although you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Now, it's most important to keep in mind, this is not simply a good and holy man addressing God. Rather, this is the very Son of God addressing his Father. We're being given a window into the inner life of God. A glimpse of the conversation that goes on between the first two Trinitarian persons. Well, what are the things that have been concealed from the learned and revealed to little ones? Nothing other than the mystery of Jesus' relationship to his Father. This conversation, this play between Father and Son, this love that obtains between the Father and Son, the inner life of God. Listen, what God wanted from the beginning to give us, God from the beginning of salvation history, wanted to give us a share in his life. These are the things that Jesus here is talking about. So, why precisely is this knowledge concealed from the learned and clever and revealed to children? Or, to follow the Greek more exactly here, to the inarticulate. The clue is found in the next statement of the Lord. Listen. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. There is a whole theology and spirituality in that line. Again, we're listening to the conversation between the Father and the Son. We're inside the life of God. And Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. 
what is the essence of the divine life? It's this play of giving and receiving. Let me say that again. It's this play of giving and receiving. The Father gives, the Son receives. The Father, forgetting himself, gives rise to the Son. The Son, refusing to cling to himself, receives from the Father. What is the Holy Spirit but the mutual sharing in love of the Father and the Son? God's own most life is a looking toward the other in love. Not clinging to oneself, but giving and receiving. From Adam and Eve to today, the fundamental human problem is that we seek something else. We all know it. We're all sinners. We seek to fill up the ego with stuff. Sex and pleasure, power, esteem of others. But see, friends, this will never in principle work because we've been wired for God. And God is love. Now, I know these sound like abstract statements. They're not. They're describing the very essence of life. Why are we unhappy? Well, because we're destined for God. And who is God but this play of self-forgetting love? Therefore, we become happy, joyful, fulfilled when we walk that path of love. Not the path of ego aggrandizement. Not the path of filling up the ego, but rather of emptying it out. This brings us back to the learned and clever. Jesus is referring precisely to those who were learned in religious matters, to the spiritual experts of his time. Why was this knowledge concealed to them? The problem is that these people wanted to run their lives to fill up their emptiness with their own religious insight and knowledge. Now, mind you, there isn't one little thing wrong with having religious knowledge. The problem is what we expect to gain by it. The minute we say, I will be satisfied, the more I'm filled up with religious insight, the more I can run my own life because of my religious wisdom, then religion becomes just one more way of aggrandizing the ego, and that's the problem. Who gets it? Who understands these things? Our translation has it, the little ones. As I mentioned, the Greek is closer to the inarticulate. You know, our word infant comes from a Latin word meaning unable to speak. A little baby, an infant, is unable to speak, can't dispose of himself. The baby is dependent, looks to another, is waiting to receive love from the other. They can't run their own show. They can't demand their own way. 
They are dependent, acquiescent, ordered to and by another. And now we're getting very close to it. This is why they get what Jesus is talking about. The only way to receive the divine life is to become conformed to that life. And Jesus just told us, I've received everything from the Father. I don't run my own life. I receive what the Father gives me. I'm not self-disposing. I'm receiving from another. Things have been handed over to Jesus, received by him, and so it must go that way for us. Listen now as the Lord goes on. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Again, friends, we're in exceptionally deep waters here. Lots of people have some knowledge of God. Just consult the religious believers of the world, the philosophers down through the ages. But no one really and fully knows the Father except the Son. What Jesus is offering us here is not one more philosophy of God, not one more clever human articulation of God. He's offering us a view from the inside. And that's why we have to respond to his compelling invitation. Listen to him. Come to me. All you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. See, having laid out this basic theology, having given us a glimpse into the inner life of God, he's now telling us, I want you to have this. This is not abstract theology. It's all about life and spirituality. I want you to have this. Come to me, all you who labor. He's not talking about manual labor here so much, but all those who find life burdensome, who find life difficult, who aren't fulfilled, and that means every one of us, everyone listening to me. And he says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. When he says rest here, he doesn't mean you know relaxation. I'll give you a chance to stretch out in the hammock. Rest means fulfillment. The achievement of joy. We speak of Someone resting in peace after they die. We wish them resting in peace. We don't mean that may they just always lie in a hammock. We mean may they find fulfillment. Again, the great illusion is that joy will come from filling up the ego with goods. In fact, it'll come from emptying out the ego, from turning one's life over to the direction of God. Then these extraordinary words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Hmm. Would have been a familiar image to people in Jesus' time. You'd have uh, beasts of burden working the fields, like an ox, cattle, and they'd be yoked. And then with that yoke, they'd be able to, to pull the weight. But listen now, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. You see what he's implying? He's implying that he is already yoked. It's it's his in the sense that he's already bearing it. Why? Because he is yoked to the Father. 
I only do what my father says. I only do what I see my father doing. I've received everything from my father. See, he's yoked in love to the father, receiving from him. So now he's saying, this is really the, where the beauty of the image comes in. He's saying, join me. See, like two oxen who are pulling the, the cart. Join me. Put my yoke on you. And then the two of us can pull together. Extraordinary, isn't it? Extraordinary. This is what it means to say we're sharing in the divine life. We have the privilege now of receiving through Jesus what he's received from the Father. We can pull with him. Now we see what it means to say, work for the coming of the kingdom of God. Why Jesus says in John's Gospel, you'll do greater things than I've done. Because now we're pulling together. The Son receiving from the Father, we receiving from the Father through the Son, all of us pulling together to do the work that the Father wants us to do. Think of this as Matthew's version of the vine and branches. Remember in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, so, so share in me. Well, see, Jesus derives his life and being from the Father. We derive our life and being and purpose from Jesus. Now, here in Matthew's image, we're yoked together with him. Here's the great paradox at the very center of our faith. In doing this, you will find rest, fulfillment, peace, joy. Not in the ways of the world. When you set your own agenda, you do what you want to do. No, no. When you pull together with Jesus, yoked to him. Let these words, friends, coming right from the inner life of God, echo and resonate in your hearts all this week. And God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.